You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. not without consequences. And Adam's sin is now in our hearts and everything that's happening to us, the affliction, the pain, the diseases and all those things is because of Adam's sin. But God made a way out. He provided a way back. He sent Jesus Christ, his own son, to earth to die for us. That through him we might have eternal life. That on the cross we could see victory instead of death. You see hope instead of despair. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that we all mess up. The Bible tells us that since the fall of man in Genesis, all people are fallen. On our own, there is nothing we can do about this. We're stuck trying to fight through our sin for the rest of our lives. But God made a way for us through His Son, Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ruth, chapter 4. As he begins his message, God makes a way. story of Ruth. The story of Ruth takes place during a time when the nation Israel was in the throngs of division, anarchy, apostasy, civil war, and national disgrace. In fact, chapter 1 tells us that it was during the time of Judges. And remember, when we studied Judges, it was a time when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, very much like what's happening in our beloved United States today. So the setting of this story is in the most decadent of times. And in the middle of all this horribleness, in the middle of all this anarchy and problems, love blossoms as God conquers a heart. In chapter 1, we see the story begins with the hope of a family. Elimelech and Naomi and her two sons, Malon and Chilion. And as the story begins, the family leaves Bethlehem and goes to a foreign land, the land of Moab. They're trying to find food in the midst of a great famine. And instead of trusting in God, Lord Jehovah, they set out on their own in search of a new beginning. This is where we first meet Ruth. Ruth is a Moabitess, and she's the wife of one of the sons of Elimelech. But the family's hope is short-lived. And eventually, there's death, funerals, despair, and hopelessness. Elimelech and his two sons die. The story begins with weeping and mourning. The father-in-law, the brother-in-law, and her husband all died. Leaving Ruth, her sister-in-law, Orpha, and her mother-in-law, Naomi, to fend for themselves. They were destitute and alone. Both young girls clinging to their mother-in-law, who basically tells them to go back to your own families. One of them chooses to go. But Ruth decides to stay with her mother-in-law. Ruth makes a commitment to her mother-in-law 
and not only to her, but to her God and to her people. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. The Lord do to me and more if I don't stay with you until death. But there's a problem. A young widow coming into another land, she's going to be without security. There's not going to be anyone to provide food for her or shelter. There's not going to be anyone to protect her from physical harm. But Ruth was now trusting in the one true living God. And by faith, she resisted all the temptation to return to her own people. She refused to take the easy way out. And God would honor her decision in a big way. Many times, we choose the easy way out. The out that seems right to us. There's a way that seems right to man. But that way leads to death. We choose the easy path, the path of least resistance. Life is hard. Life gets in the way. Life is difficult. There's struggles. There's affliction. There's disease. There's death. There's hurt. There's pain. Should I go on? Life is just rotten sometimes. There are many, many easy ways out. Many of us have tried easy ways. There's alcohol. Ease the pain. There are drugs. Take away that feeling. Sex, rock and roll, all sorts of things that we do, gambling, all sorts of things that we do to try to fill that inner void, to take away those problems that we've been going through. We look for the easy solution. Sometimes God's is not the easiest solution. We have to trust in him. We have to hope in him. We have to allow him access to our lives and give him our lives totally. Allow him to do what he needs to do. And sometimes it hurts. Why? Because sin is not without consequences. And Adam's sin is now in our hearts. And everything that's happening to us, the affliction, the pain, the diseases, and all those things is because of Adam's sin. But God made a way out. He provided a way back. He sent Jesus Christ, his own son, to earth to die for us. That through him we might have eternal life. That on the cross we can see victory instead of death. We can see hope instead of despair. Yet Ruth didn't choose the easy way. Ruth accompanies her mother-in-law back to Bethlehem. And she starts a new life with a new people. Several of you have moved down recently, starting a new life. New people, new places to go, new places to see, different restaurants to go to to become your favorite, different things. You don't know the lay of the land. It's different. You know what it's like. Ruth is coming from a completely different culture, a completely different land, a foreign land, land that was hated by the Israelites. But she went anyhow, staking her claim. She wasn't one to sit around, so she begins to go to work immediately, and she starts gleaning from the fields during the barley harvest. She starts gleaning from the fields, going behind the reapers and picking up what they leave. There's a law that they did this. 
specifically so that those who were poor could have something to eat. And it was legal. They would go behind the reapers and they would pick up some stuff. They would fill their bags and they would be able to eat for the night. And she just happens to go into the field of Boaz. Just happens to cross the line. Sure, there was no great big neon sign saying, this is Boaz's field. He just went there. We know that there's no such thing as happenstance in God's will. God's providence hand was at work all along in Ruth's life. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And the minute Ruth said, I'm going to follow you, Naomi, back to Bethlehem. God had a plan. He knew before she even said she was going to follow him to Bethlehem. So she enters the field of Boaz. By the way, we learn that Boaz happens to be the son of Rahab, the harlot, who took the two spies sent by Joshua into their house and was saved by the red thread hanging down her whole family. But Ruth finds favor in Boaz. She is told not to glean in any other field. Stay close to my workers, Boaz says. And he, he protects her. He feeds her when she's hungry. And he's always slipping her a little bit more of the grain. And he tells the reapers, let some of the other real stuff fall. Don't let her glean just from the leftovers. Let some of the real stuff fall for her too. Boaz takes her under his wing. He protects her. He tells the servants to treat her well and watch over her. Don't let anything befall her. He shows Ruth kindness. Kindness that probably she's never, ever known before. God has a way. God has a way. All this time that this was happening, spark kind of lit. I'm sure that Ruth was enamored by this gentleman who took notice of her, who was so nice to her, who was so genuine with her, who treated her like no other person had ever treated her. I'm sure she was enamored by him. And I'm sure Boaz looked at her and was interested. Remember, it's a love story. Come to find out that Boaz is a close relative and Ruth, with Naomi's coaching, goes and asks him to be her Goel, her kinsman redeemer, according to the law of Moses. So the story of Ruth started out with weeping and mourning, despair and hopelessness takes a giant turn. God makes a way. As we now come to the last chapter of the book of Ruth, Ruth and Naomi's hearts are overflowing with joy. They're excited because of Boaz, a close relative. Could he be their kinsman, Redeemer? We know in Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. They're so excited. And when we last saw Ruth, she was leaving the threshing floor, having asked Boaz to be her Goel, her kinsman, Redeemer. When Boaz told Ruth that he would do all she asked for, I'm sure her heart soared. I'm sure she was excited. It appeared that the story would indeed have a happy ending. And although Boaz said to her that he would do all she asked of him, there was a complication. Always a hitch. Always a little complication. Boaz was indeed a close relative. Yes, he was. But there was another relative even closer than he, and he must have priority according to the law of Moses. 
Boaz promised Ruth he would take care of the matter first thing in the morning. And even though Boaz had told Ruth not to fear, I'm sure it was a long night of waiting for Ruth. I'm sure. Naomi had told her to sit until you know. The man will not rest until the matter is settled. And I believe that Ruth spent the whole night resting in the Lord. And I believe that she spent the whole night trusting in him. And I believe she probably spent the whole night praying, knowing that, number one, she would be redeemed. But number two, she didn't know by whom. And I believe that she was praying to the Lord, oh, Lord, please let it be Boaz. Please let it be Boaz. What I'm reminded of here, when I think what we need to take into our hearts tonight, is that God writes the last chapter. God has the last say. He writes the last chapter of our lives. And because he writes the last chapter of our lives, we should not be anxious or fearful. Do you know what anxiety is? It's fear of the future. Anxiety is the what ifs. Anxiety is the fear of the future. Paul told the Philippians to be anxious for nothing. But in everything through prayer and supplications, let your, let your uh, request be known to the Lord with thanksgiving. And when you do that, what's going to happen? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard both your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So we have the, we have the remedy for anxiety. Trusting, hoping, praying, seeking the Lord. It was like a serial we used to watch in the movies when I was a kid. Chapter 3 left us at a most dramatic point in the story. Ruth and Boaz were obviously in love and they wanted to get married. Boaz wanted to exercise his right of kinsman redeemer. Yet there was one who was closer and who had priority according to the law of Moses. And we were left with the question, would he claim the right of kinsman redeemer towards Ruth? And would he keep her and Boaz from becoming together? Tune in next time to As the Threatening Floor Turns to find out the end of the story. But it felt like a serial, did it not? Everyone was on the edge of the seat. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? So we come in now to chapter 4. We're going to see who the Redeemer is going to be. While Boaz is seeking the closer relative to settle the matter, Ruth is waiting, as she's told to do. She's waiting. And we've talked about this before. No, you can tell me to do a lot of things. You can say to me, Dave, do this. Dave, do that. Dave, go here. Dave, go there. And I'll probably be real, real happy. But when you say the W word to me, I don't wait well. I don't wait well. It's difficult. And waiting is difficult for us, you know? I mean, I remember going through some tough times and somebody would, you know, time heals all wounds. Well, poo. <laughs> I don't want time to heal the wound. I want it healed now. <laughs> don't wait well. So many times the Lord tells us to wait. Tells us to wait. We even read scriptures, what's going to happen when we wait? And when we wait, it's all good. But it's human nature. Oh, I just don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I don't know if it's the McDonald's in me or not, but I don't want to wait. I want my hamburger now, and I want it my way. I don't know. So Boaz now is seeking the closer relative. And I have to admit, 
Now I'm reading into this, you know, I mean, come on, it is a love story. I think Boaz is kind of eager to find out what's going to go on here. He's kind of eager to find out. He wants to know if he's going to be a bridegroom or not. I mean, he's kind of looking to get married. We remember, these two have been together for both harvests, wheat and barley. They've been together. She came to the threshing floor where he was. She laid at his feet and, and talked to him and asked him if he would be her goel. There's a connection here, folks. There's a connection here. So look what happens in verse 1a. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. Boaz goes to the city gate, which is where all the transactions happen. All the transactions of the city happen at the city gate. All the elders sit there. All the men who are noble and, and supposed to be of high esteem, they sit there. They're important. It's interesting that business is transacted there. I don't know how many of you have ever seen our bulletin over here in the name of the bulletin board. There's a bulletin board right over there. And we got business cards and things like that. And it's called the city gate. There's a reason we do that, folks. We just don't put up signs for no reason. Anyhow, one commentator said this, the gate of the city was always the place where esteemed and honorable men of the city sat. For an ancient city in Israel, it was a combination of a city council chamber and a courtroom. You had a dispute, you went to the city gate. You wanted to make a deal, you went to the city gate. It was the city gate where everything happened. Boaz obviously went there to see if the closer relative could be found. And look at 1b. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. I love it. Behold, the close relative came by. Now, who didn't know that was going to happen? Once again, God's providential hand is right there. Just like Ruth just happened to go into Boaz's field, Boaz went up there the first day, and behold, this guy comes by. Oh, it's you. Well, let's talk. Let's talk. There are no happenstances in the world of God. Remember, God is writing the last chapter. He's writing the last chapter of his love story, and he's doing so much better than Hallmark ever could. Let's look at two and four, two to four. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. And he came to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is one but no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And so he, the relative, said, I will redeem it. It's interesting here that the, that, that the ten elders, and, you know, I was reading John Corson's, and he said that the number ten always represents the law. Number 10 always represents the law. And it's interesting that you follow me here. So if, if Boaz is a type of Christ who is our kinsman redeemer, we too had a closer kinsman, and that closer kinsman would be the law. But the law couldn't redeem us. The law was helpless to redeem us. The law was helpless to save us. Praise the Lord, there was another, a more perfect redeeming, redeemer, excuse me, Jesus Christ. So the other relative said to Boaz, I will redeem it. I would have liked to have seen Boaz's face when this guy said that. Now notice one thing. We don't even know who this guy's name is. 
He's just the other relative. We don't even know who his name is. I wonder if Boaz's heart sunk when he heard this. But there was a caveat. There was a caveat to all of this according to the law. Look at five. Then Boaz says, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. Boaz said to his close relative, once again, I have got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is you can buy the land. The bad news is it comes attached. And there's a woman there. According to Leviticus 25, 23 through 34, you'll find the law of the kinsman redeemer. And in Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 through 10, there's the law governing Leverite marriage. The purpose of these laws was to preserve the name and protect the property of the families in Israel. See, the land belonged to God. And he didn't want anyone to exploit it. He didn't want those who had money to take advantage of those who did not. When these laws were obeyed, the dead man's family name did not die, and his property was not sold outside the tribe. He wanted to keep things all in the family, so to speak. But, if you're a Bible student, you know that throughout Israel, they never did this. They failed to obey God's law in this. You can look at 1 Kings 21, you look at Isaiah 5 and Habakkuk 2. And these prophets rebuked the leaders for stealing the land from helpless people. And according to 2 Chronicles 36, 21, this was one of the major causes for the nation being led into captivity. Why? God takes a very dim view when we take advantage of others, especially those who are poor. God takes a dim view of that. So in verse 6, we see the relative's answer. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I run or ruin my own inheritance. The price was too high for him. He couldn't redeem it. We indeed are set free, but we've been bought with a price. There was a price for our redemption. There was a hefty price for our redemption. Our redemption cost the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. That was a hefty price for God to pay. That's what redemption was all about. That's what it is all about. Why? Because you and I were slaves to sin. I was a slave to my own flesh. I did these things because I was bound by my flesh. But Christ has set me free, free that I don't have to do these things anymore. And my body, which I once abused, I now offer to him as an instrument through which he might work. My body becomes a temple for him to dwell through his Holy Spirit. My body becomes a temple that he dwells in, a sanctuary place where God dwells. You are the Book of Ruth is a beautiful story of loyalty, redemption, and love. Both Ruth and Naomi lost people they deeply cared for, but still they chose to trust in the Lord's faithfulness, and God was faithful to provide just what they needed at just the right time. God is faithful still today, and He's working an incredible plan in your life. While you may only see the loss, He sees the beautiful future. 
Don't be afraid to trust him and step forward in his plans for you. He will bring you to the exact place you need to be. We're so glad you joined us today to study the book of Ruth. If you missed any part of this teaching on Assure Hope, or if you'd like to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com today. Maybe today as you were listening, you found you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. If that sounds like you, please visit our website and click on the Jesus tab to read all about the plan of salvation God set up long ago. It will answer some of your questions and explain how you can start a relationship with Jesus today. If you still have some questions or would like us to pray with you, please give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the area, join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. You can find directions and more information at assurehoperadio.com. That's all the time we have for today, but we hope you'll join us again right here on Assure Hope.